0: Welcome to Starkville Church of God. This is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope this inspires you, strengthens you, and fills you with God's love so you can share with others. Enjoy the message. If you go first to the book of Acts chapter 1 and verse 8 is where we're going to start. And if you want to put your finger there, put some sort of marker there. So the book of Judges chapter 6 Actually if you want to put your marker in the book of Judges chapter 6 Because we're going to go first to the book of Acts Acts chapter 1 Judges chapter 6 If you would put that marker there in Judges chapter 6 And we're going to start in the book of Acts Book of Acts chapter 1 and verse 8 be reading from the King James Version here this morning. It says this, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Acts chapter 2, just flip over there. Verse 1. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. There appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now would you jump with me back to the book of Judges chapter 6. Judges chapter 6. We're going to read verses 1 through 6 and then verse 11, then we're going to pray, and I'll let you be seated. Judges chapter 6, verse 1. And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord delivered them into the hand of Midian seven years. And the hand of Midian prevailed against Israel, and because of the Midianites, the children of Israel made them the dens which are in the mountains, and the caves and strongholds. And so it was, when Israel had sown, that the Midianites came up, and the Amalekites, and the children of the east, even they came up against them. And they encamped against them, and destroyed the increase of the earth, till thou come unto Gaza, and left no sustenance for Israel, neither sheep, nor ox, nor ass. For they came up with their cattle and their tents, and they came as grasshoppers for multitude, For both they and their camels were without number, and they entered into the land to destroy it. And Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Midianites. And the children of Israel cried unto the Lord. Jump down to verse 11. Verse 11, And there came an angel of the Lord and sat under an oak, which was in Orpha, that pertained unto Joash and his son Gideon, threshed wheat by the wine press to hide it from the midianites i want to preach to you this morning on the subject have you lost your pentecost have you lost your pentecost would you stretch your hands this way and pray for me as i do the same for you heavenly father i thank you and i praise you so much i thank you for this opportunity to be in your house It would be, Lord, so wrong of me not to stop and thank you for what you've done already in this place. Your presence, your power, your anointing. I believe miracles have already happened. I believe lives have already been touched, Lord, and I thank you for that now as we come to this place in this service where we pull up together to your table to break the bread of life, I pray for every heart, mind, and spirit both in this room listening by podcast. I pray that they'd be open and receptive to your word. I pray as the seed of the word of God goes forth that would bring forth a hundredfold harvest in Jesus' mighty name. Lord, I ask that you'd help me. Lord, anoint me from the top of my head to the soles of my feet. Give me the clarity of thought and speech that is so absolutely necessary to do what you've called me to do. And God, for whatever Ever is done in this place, Lord. We'll be careful to give you praise, honor, and glory in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, "Amen." As you're seated, turn around to two or three people, give them a fist bump, and tell them, "I'm glad to see you here today on Memorial Day weekend." And can I just say, it is so good to see you here today. You know, I, I told y'all I've had, I've had the fear entering into this, and, and traditionally this is, of course, the unofficial beginning of summer. And so many times, that, uh, you know, kind of a joke in some of my text group with other pastors, you know, I, honestly, this will show you how I'm, I'm thankful God's better to us than we are to Him and, and our faith. I, honestly, I said to some of my fellow pastors, I said, if I have 45 people this morning on Memorial Day weekend, I'll be happy. But we have well exceeded that. Thank y'all for being here today. Amen. Give yourself a hand. I'm glad you're here on Memorial Day weekend. Have you lost your Pentecost? I want you to know that I believe in Pentecost. I believe in the Spirit-filled life. I believe that part of our main part of our mission here is that we are a spirit-filled church in this city and in this community. I'm thankful. I'm thankful I'm not one of those. I certainly don't believe you don't have to be Church of God to go to heaven. I believe that if your name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life, no matter what you belong to—if you're Baptist, if you're Methodist, if you're—believe it or not—a couple last Saturday, I was a part of a Catholic wedding. I did a little reading through there for a friend that asked me to come, and I read the love, some from the Love chapter. As long as your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life, I believe that we're all going to be in heaven together, no matter what flavor we are or whatever. But I do believe that each of us have a specific calling and a specific mission. And I'm convinced that we here, we have a mission that we are to be a spirit-filled church here in Starkville, Mississippi. I believe in the power of Pentecost. I still believe in the baptism of the Holy Ghost. We read about it in the book of Acts chapter 2 and verse 1. I believe, I believe that when the Holy Spirit came that he's still available. You can read throughout all the other books of the New Testament. Every one of them come with some sort of closing except for the book of Acts. The book of Acts just abruptly cuts off. I believe the reason for that is that God wanted us to see that the moving of His Spirit and the operation of the gifts of the Spirit and the Holy Spirit in the church was not over in the book of Acts. I'm sorry if you've been taught differently than that. I I love you anyway and I love brothers and sisters that, that believe that, but I believe that God did not stop moving through His Spirit when the last apostle died. I believe that God's Spirit is much more and much greater than Peter, James, John, any of those, they were never the Holy Ghost baptizers. The Bible tells us that it is Jesus who is the Holy Ghost baptizer. And how many of y'all know that Jesus is still alive and well and is still baptizing in the Holy Ghost? I still believe in miracles. I still believe in the laying on of hands. I still believe that there is a need for the power of the Spirit for Pentecostal faith in our world today. So you may ask the question today, well, what is Pentecost. Well, I'm glad you asked. If you're taking notes, I want to give you a few things. Uh, What is Pentecost? Well, how many of you know that Pentecost began, that's why some of you may think, why in the world are we going back to the book of Judges? If you've been in Pentecost very long, Acts chapter 2 is certainly no foreign scripture to go to on Pentecost Sunday. But some of you may think, well, why would you go back to the book of Judges? Well, how many of you know that Pentecost actually goes further back even than the book of Judges? We find in the Old Testament that the Feast of Weeks was seven weeks after the Passover. You see, it coincided with the wheat harvest in Leviticus chapter 23. You say, what in the world does that have to do with anything? I want you to see this. From the very beginning, the Feast of Weeks, Pentecost, has always been tied to the harvest. I'm gonna say that one more time. From the beginning, before there was ever the church, before there was ever a Peter, before there was ever, before Jesus ever came to Earth, born of the Virgin Mary, before that had ever happened. Pentecost was always tied to harvest. This is what I do want you to hear me say because so many people get mixed up with this. You see, I believe, and I'm going to preach the whole thing right here, and y'all may just want to leave and not even stay here for the rest of us. And in the summary of it, I believe that Pentecost has never been just so that we can shout in the church, just so that we can speak in tongues in the church. It's never been just so we can have goosebumps up and down our back. But I believe that Pentecost has always been tied to harvest. That's why he said, you're going to be witnesses unto me after the Holy Ghost has fallen on you. Can I tell you, yes, I believe in speaking with other tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance. I believe in the gifts of the Spirit are still in operation, but the purpose for it all is not so that we can just somehow have some kind of novelty act that nobody else has. I believe it's always been tied back in the book of Leviticus Pentecost was tied to harvest and I believe standing here in 2023 that Pentecost is still tied to harvest. The baptism in the Holy Ghost, the empowering of the Holy Ghost is not just so that we can shout and swing from chandeliers and walk the backs of the pews. Come on somebody, you know what I'm talking about. I I believe it was Pastor Joel. He sent a a video to me about a preacher recently and he was walking on the chairs and I said, hey, I I was doing that back when I was a young evangelist. I was doing I was walking on pews. When we had all everybody had pews, walk on the backs of the pews. Come on, anybody remember what I'm talking about? You know, it's not just about all of that. It's not that Pentecost has always been tied to harvest. God wants you to speak in other tongues. God wants you to operate in the gifts of the Spirit. God wants to pour out his spirit. But the reason is not so that we can just have some sort of sideshow to entertain, but the reason reason has always been and will always be. He wants to empower you and wants to empower me to be the witnesses when we walk out of this building, to be the witnesses in our neighborhoods, to be the witnesses in our schools, to be the witnesses in our workplace everywhere we go, to be a witness of the resurrected Savior, Jesus Christ, and tell about how he paid the price that no man could pay on his own. Give him praise if you will. Some of you may want to check out and go home right now, but I hope you don't. (laughs) So let's move on. I want us to look at Gideon and Pentecost. How many of you have ever heard of Gideon before? You've heard of Gideon. You've read the story of Gideon in the Old Testament. You see, we find as we come to the book of Judges chapter 6, there are some things I want to point out to you with Gideon and Pentecost. Well, the enemy had, first of all, he had broken their unity Because they were hiding in caves. Again, if you've heard a Pentecostal message, a Pentecost Sunday message or two, we find that in the book of Acts, they were all in what one place in one accord. If God is going to move He need the church, we need to be together. You've heard me get up here and you've heard me just just lament over how we as Christians just want to attack one another all the time how we want to get on Facebook and we just want to criticize everybody and how everybody else does it. Listen, the devil is happy about that. The devil gets happy when we criticize one another. The devil is happy when we attack one another. The way that God chooses to move in us is God moves when we're what? When we're together, when there's unity in the body of Christ. And the enemy had broken their unity. The Bible said that they were hiding out. In caves. This was the land. This was the place where God had given. We're not that far. We're only in Judges chapter 6, just back in Joshua. This this, this ragtag group of, of, of liberated slaves came and took over a land of giants. And now already. They've been broken up, and instead of living in the land where they were promised and where they had conquered, now their unity is broken, and they're all hiding in caves in the mountains. And we find then, number two, that the Midianites attacked their harvest. In fact, in verse four, it says that they destroyed their increase, You see, we find that they would plant and they would, because how many of you know they couldn't go to the super center or the small mart or the Kroger or wherever you got, they had to grow what they were going to eat. And so they would get out and they would plant and they would try to raise a harvest. And just about the time that it was ready to harvest, the Midianites would move in. The Bible said so many that you couldn't even count them and that they then would destroy the harvest. They would destroy their increase. They would take away everything that they had worked so hard. Folks, I've got to be honest with you. There's been times as a pastor, times as a Christian, times as someone who loves the Lord and his church, where it's looked like God, it seems like the enemy has taken all of our increase. It seems like the enemy has just taken everything that we worked so hard for, everything that we have prayed for, everything that we have worked for. It feels like that the enemy has just come in and destroy. But thirdly, can I give you something very special here? There was something that they could not steal, and that was that they could not stop the seed. It seemed like every year that the Midianites would come in and raid them and take the harvest, but every year would come back around. And some way, somehow, there was still a seed there. Can I tell you something? I know I preached it here recently, but I'll remind you here today that there is still a seed, a seed in the Word of God that the enemy cannot destroy, a seed that will never go away, a seed that is everlasting. And as long as there's still a seed, there's still hope. Somebody say Amen. They would almost see the fruit of their labor, and then the enemy would steal their harvest. They took their increase. Well, what is increase? Well, some people say stuff is increase. But the book of Luke, chapter 12, Jesus tells the story of a man, a man that has a great harvest, a man that has so much, and, and he he gets all of this stuff, and his harvest is so great. And you know what he does? He has so much stuff. It's not that he says, you know, I got so much, and I just need to to be generous and just give some of this. No. What does he do? He says, you know what? I'm going to tear down these small barns, and I'm going to build even bigger barns so that I can have even more. He said, this will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. Some people think that stuff is increase. In verse 19, he said, and "'I will say to my soul, "'Soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. "'Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry.'" But verse 20, "'But God said unto him, "'Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. "'Then whose shall those things be "'which thou hast provided?' So is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. You've heard me say this enough. God is not against you having stuff, but he's against stuff having you. If he knows that he can make it, let it flow through you, he'll get it to you. But when you think you're just going to keep it all to yourself, God will say, no, that's not it. So what is increase? I don't think increase is really stuff. And I want you to hear me today. As church people, sometimes we get the wrong notion that activity isn't necessarily increase either. Because in the book of Matthew, I've, we find a very frightening thing here. In the book of Matthew chapter 7, we find something scary. We find that Jesus is talking to some people, and here they are, and they say this. He says this in verse 22. Excuse me, let me start in verse 21. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? In thy name cast out devils. In thy name done many wonderful works, and then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. So can I tell you that activity just for activity's sake is not increase can I tell you, you can, you can work yourself to death. You can feed the poor. You can, you can go to every orphanage on planet earth and, and, and hold the babies and do everything you can. But can I tell you that activity in and of itself is not increase. You see, Pentecost was a time of rejoicing. Why? Because harvest time was a time of rejoicing. Harvest time was the time that, that the crops were coming in. You'd worked in the spring. You'd weeded all summer long. You'd been praying and waiting, and now harvest was coming in. It's kind of like, as Americans would think, it's kind of like Friday payday. Come on, I know some of you do. All of us say, you know, I hope that you enjoy your job somewhat. But listen, there's just something about when you get your paycheck. You know, back in the old days, it used to be that check. Now, most everybody's direct deposit when you can look up in your account and see that your paycheck went in. There's something about that. It's a time of rejoicing. It's a time of happiness. It's a time Pentecost was a time of rejoicing. But now, in Judges chapter 6, we find that they were hiding in fear because the enemy had stolen their Pentecost. And so, we find something odd We find Gideon is threshing wheat behind the wine press and not on the threshing floor. See, I've got this picture up here, and some of you may be wondering what in the world that is. Well, that's a threshing floor. So if if you want to know, I'm going to give you just a little brief introduction to this. In those days before combines, before you just one guy could go in there and just reap thousands of acres on a machine, there were threshing floors and they would cut the wheat and they would take the wheat to the threshing floor. And the threshing floor was strategically located up high away from other things for this reason, for the wind to be able to blow through. Oh, that's, you missed a good place to shout right there. (laughs) It's Pentecost Sunday. A threshing floor was located in a place strategically so that the wind could blow through because they would take the wheat all together, the chaff and everything else. The chaff is the unwanted stuff that you don't want to eat. And so they would take the wheat to the threshing floor and they would take the winnowing fork and they would throw it up in the air. And the good... Wheat was heavier than the chaff. The good stuff—I mean, I'm, there's like a hundred sermons in here. I gotta control myself. The good stuff was weightier. The good stuff had sustenance in it, and the good stuff would quickly fall back down to the threshing floor, whereas the chaff had nothing to it. And the wind. Would blow it away. So that's how they harvested wheat. And that's where the the Pentecost came in during the wheat harvest. But instead of being on the threshing floor where he should have been, Gideon instead was behind the wine press. The wine press was a container, a container with sides. Where you could press the grapes and press the fruit, and the the juice would stay contained. The wind couldn't get in there. Hmm. Gideon was threshing wheat in the wrong place because of fear. So I give you this today the effects of losing our Pentecost, there's a limited harvest. There's a meager amount. The Bible said here that at this time, they were just barely getting by. They would plant, they would sow, and they would have the harvest even come up. But before they could reap the harvest, before they could be blessed by it, the enemy would come and take it. When we lose our Pentecost, we can't occupy what is rightfully ours. You see, they were supposed to be living in the fields. They were supposed to be living in the land. But instead, they were hiding in the mountains and hiding in the caves. I think you all know well enough, uh, as you've heard me preach long enough now, I believe that many times the church, we've been hiding in the caves too long while everybody else everybody else has had their say everybody else is just getting out there and saying their peace the church has been hidden we've been hiding in the caves we've been hiding in the mountains we've been hiding in the crevices and we've just been tucked back in there and we have given up what is ours can I tell somebody this this morning I believe that it is time for the church to take back our Pentecost think about what we have lost that God has given us think about what the enemy has taken and it's not because God has changed it's because we have changed they were living in a constant state of fear and oppression and many today are in that state living in fear living in a constant state of oppression and this caused Gideon to be behind the wine press and not on the threshing floor So what happens when we're behind the wine press? Because I believe when we lose our Pentecost, we find ourselves behind the wine press instead of on the threshing floor. Well, first of all, we have to rely on our own strength and efforts. See, I told you just just a little bit ago that how it was supposed to work is when you were on the threshing floor, you would take the winnowing fork, throw it all up in the air, And then the wind would do the work. But when you're behind the wine press, you're trying to just do it all on your own. For too long, the church has just been trying to do it on our own. We've just gone through the motions We've been hidden behind the wine press. We've been scared to get out there and say anything and do anything. And, and what happens when you're doing it? It's all in your own efforts. Now, I'm not saying you don't have to do anything even when you're on the threshing floor. You still, you still have to be a partner in it. Is anybody getting this this morning? You still got to be a partner in it. You still had to get the winnowing for it, and you still had to throw it in the air. But when you do what you could, the wind would do what you couldn't. And I'm telling you, church, I believe that we got to get back to that place again. Yes, we got to study. Yes, we got to plan. Yes, we got to prepare. Yes, we've got to put our hand to the plow and do our part of it. But there comes a point in time in this thing, especially as Pentecostals in the church, that we realize we'll do what we can. But if we'll just let go and let God and let the wind of the Holy Ghost blow again, He'll do what we can't do on our own. And after seven years of this, after seven years of Gideon hiding behind the wine press, he was satisfied with just barely getting by. After seven long years of trying to do it on his own, throwing the winnowing fork up, but having no wind there to really help. He was worn out, and he was satisfied with just barely having enough to get by. I, I'm not going to share them today, but it's, it's frightening, frightening, it's staggering when you look at the statistics of what's happening in churches right now. Even before COVID, the amount of churches closing versus the amount of churches being planted. The amount of people leaving the church versus the amount of people being born and getting saved. It's staggering. For too long now, I believe we've lost our Pentecost. And if the church can just, if we can just pay the bills... If we could just, if we just keep the lights on, you know, if we if we can just have enough, we got a good little group, you know. If we can just have enough, you know, to get done a few things that we want to get done, that's not what God wants. After seven years, He was only interested in getting just enough. There became less work. Less vision and forgetting about the big harvest. Look at it. And so it was when Israel had sown, the Midianites came up, the Amalekites, children of the east, even they came up against them, they had camped against them, destroyed the increase of the earth till thou come up to Gaza and left no sustenance for Israel. They had become satisfied with just barely enough to get by. And the enemy's just gonna take the rest. Ooh. Folks, I I'm determined. I, I I wanna see us keep our kids, but I'm ready to I'm ready to see the harvest of young people. I'm not satisfied with just barely getting by. I'm tired of hiding behind the wine press and just saying, Well, if we can just get this much, we can pay the bills. If we can just do, we can do the if we can just do this much and just kind of keep our little group together, everything that that's not what God had intended for his church. I will say there's less fighting, and when I say fighting, I'm not talking about internally there's less fighting with the enemy as long as Gideon was just hiding behind the wine press as long as Israel was hidden in their caves the midianites the amalekites they weren't worried about them they were stealing all their harvest Can I tell you, as long as we just want to box ourselves in in our own four walls and just be like, we just going to get by, you know what? The devil, he ain't going to fight much. As long as we just box ourselves in here and we're just okay with right here where we're at, the enemy's not going to fight. Oh, there's a lot less fighting. But when you get ready to step out there again, And retake the ground that God promised us and gave us. You better believe that a fight is about to break out. Hmm. I gotta keep going. I've got more to this. Don't worry. I'm not staying here. Look at Judges chapter six. Look at verse twelve now. Verse twelve. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him, Gideon. This is, and said unto him, The Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. And Gideon said unto him, O my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then is all this befallen us? And where be all his miracles which our fathers told us of, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord hath forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. And the Lord looked upon him and said, Go in this thy might, and thou shalt save Israel from the hand of the Midianites, have not I sent thee? And he said unto him, O my Lord, wherewith shall I save Israel? Behold, my family is poor in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. I have no doubt that Gideon at some point had thought, I'm so tired of this, I wish somebody would do something about this mess. I have no doubt that Gideon at some point had thought, why won't somebody do something about these Midianites and Amalekites that are stealing from us? Gideon wanted somebody to do something, just not him. Ooh, that's good preaching for Memorial Day weekend. How many times in the church have we seen things where "I wish somebody would do something about that." I wish somebody would. I wish somebody would start a class over here for this. I wish somebody would help do this. I wish somebody would help. The, not me though. y'all got really quiet on me. I wish somebody would just do something, but it's not going to be me. I'm just going to tell you, if you haven't figured it out by now, I learned something a long time ago at the beginning of being a pastor. When people would come to me with these big old ideas and they would say, well, here it is. I want you to do it. i would like, nope, Lord, put it on your heart. Because everybody comes up with all these, I, like Gideon, he's like, what's going on? Where's the miracles? Where's all of this? Why are we oppressed by the Midianites? And God says, have I not sent you? woo Hmm. I wish some, somebody needs to teach this class. And God says, has God not sent you? Somebody says, I, we, we need a ministry to go and do this. And God says, has God not sent you? I'm going to shout up here on this stage all by myself. If don't nobody else respond. Gideon says, why is all this going on? And and God says, have not I sent thee? And he says to him, oh, my Lord, wherewith shall I save it? My family's poor in Manasseh, and I'm the least. Oh, I can't do it, God. I come from the smallest, most pitiful tribe, My father's family is the weakest in that weakest tribe, and I'm the run of the litter in my father's house. Excuses. Excuses. So God says, Am I not sent thee? And then Gideon comes over that. Well, I'm the weakest, I'm the smallest. Well, I have nothing. I have nothing to do. But the Lord. But the Lord says in verse 16, surely I will be with thee, and thou shalt smite the Midianites as one man. Can I just tell somebody that when God, when you get ready to do what God wants you to do, he's going to tell you anyway, it's not about you anyway. It's not about what you can do. It's not about how much money you got, how good looking you are, how talented you are. It's always been about God says, if you will trust me, I will take care of the rest. Amen. Give God praise. So how do we do that? I got to wrap this up. I see what time it is. So how do, we, how do we get our Pentecost back? Well, number one, I believe this. We've got to realize that God is calling, and he's calling you. And there wasn't a single amen. God is calling you and me. There's something we used to preach about in the church called the priesthood of all believers. I know that there's five-fold ministry, and I certainly believe in the five-fold ministry, but I also believe in the priesthood of all believers. Can I just tell you what? Every single one of us that's been born again, we have a responsibility to serve him, to tell people about him. Someone that will stand up. Someone that will say, I'll teach that class. Someone that will say, I'll start that ministry. And not just start it, but stick with it. The angel told Gideon, God is calling you. It's what God says about you is all that matters. It does not matter what you think about yourself it does not matter what anybody else has said about you what matters is what God says about you look back at verse 12 and the angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said unto him the Lord is with thee thou mighty man of valor at the point at that time it didn't look like he was a man of valor he was a wimp he was hiding behind the wine press he was afraid to do anything he was whining about what what nobody else was doing and how bad things were. But God looked at him and said, you are a mighty man of valor. God sent me here this Pentecost Sunday to tell somebody, you may feel like a wimp. You may feel powerless. You may feel like you can't do anything. But I'm telling you today with God's power and God's help and with God's anointing, if you'll answer his call, he will help you. He'll anoint you. He sees in you what nobody else Seas, including yourself. Secondly, how do we get it back? Look at verse 25 and 26. And it came to pass the same night that the Lord said unto him, Take thy father's young bullock, even the second bullock of seven years old, and throw down the altar of Baal that thy father hath, and cut down the grove that is by it and build an altar unto the Lord thy God upon the top of this rock in the ordered place, and take the second bullock and offer a burnt sacrifice with the wood of the grove, which thou shalt cut down. You want, the, you want your Pentecost back? You got to clean up your house. Idolatry had come in to their homes and life. That's why all this was going on to start with. You go back to the beginning of the chapter, and you find what the whole reasoning was. Verse 1, the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord delivered them into the hand of Midian seven years. This ain't popular preaching no more, but sometimes God will let stuff that we don't like come into our lives, so it will wake us up. If we want our Pentecost back, we've got to clean up our house. Get rid of the idolatry. Find an altar of repentance. You see, a Pentecost is valuable enough to you. You will give up whatever you have to, no matter what anybody else thinks about you. You know, I know that in its early days, or actually on end to it, that, that legalism crept up, especially in American Pentecostalism, but I believe when you first go back to a Sousa Street or Shearer schoolhouse in the late 1800s the reason for the beehives the reason for the long skirts the reason for all of that was that they were willing to give up whatever they had to give up in order to have the power and the presence of the Lord I'm not telling you we got to go back to all that but what I am saying is that we've got to be willing to say God whatever you want me to give up whatever you don't want in my life whatever it is that does does not please you i am willing to say i will put it out of my life if it means that i can have back my pentecost amen and lastly gideon took his pentecost back look at verse 33 Then all the Midianites and the Amalekites and the children of the east were gathered together, and they went over and pitched in the valley of Jezreel. But the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon, and he blew a trumpet, and Abiezer was gathered after him. The Spirit of the Lord came upon him. As the musicians come and take their places, the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. When he decided he was going to listen to what God said about him instead of what he thought about himself, when he cleaned up his house, the Spirit of the Lord came upon him, and he blew a trumpet. He got up out of hiding behind the winepress. Come on, somebody. He quit hiding behind the winepress. Israel begins, uh, he, he gets out from behind the, what a change. He's been hiding behind the wine press. He's been hiding from the enemy. Now he's come and he's cut down the altar of Baal. He's cut down the grove. He's built an altar to the Lord at the place of the appointed place. He's made an altar. He's sacrificing now. Woo, the same guy that had been hiding now has done all this and he stands up in now out in the open and come on somebody He's been hiding all this time, but the Spirit of the Lord came on him, and suddenly he had a boldness. You see, that's what the baptism in the Holy Ghost is all about. Peter had denied Jesus three times on that night. Peter had said three times, I don't know him over here. I don't know him over here. I don't know him over here. But on the day of Pentecost, when he was baptized in the Holy Ghost, he stood up in the city of Jerusalem and preach the first gospel, Pentecostal message the world had ever heard. I'm telling you today that if you'll get the power of the Holy Ghost within you, you'll blow a trumpet in the middle of the enemy and say, my God is greater, my God is stronger, and I'm going to take back what the enemy has stolen. Stand with me if you will, please. Gideon, he sounded the trumpet. Abiezer was gathered after him. He sent messengers through Manasseh, who was gathered after him. He sent messengers to Asher, to Zebulun, to Naphtali. In other words, when Gideon stood up and Gideon blew a trumpet, all of Israel, crawling out of holes. If just one person in a church would stand up again and blow a trumpet. If one church in a city would stand up and blow a trumpet again. If there's still Christians they're still Christians. They're still God-fearing people. That's been hiding in caves and hiding in holes. If we could only—and please, I think you know me by now. Listen, this, this is not hatred. I believe and I love. I love every person. I, I love every gay and lesbian. I love every transgender. But we have we have backed down and we've let them preach their message and we've been scared to stand up and say what the Lord says. My prayer is that God would save them. My prayer is that God would deliver them. My prayer, I don't want to see anybody. It's not God's will that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. If one church would stand up and begin to blow the trumpet and say, we're taking back. We're taking back what the enemy has stolen. We're taking back what God, we're taking our city back. We're taking our county back. We're taking our schools back. We're taking back what the enemy has stolen from us through the power of the Holy Ghost. Thanks for listening to our podcast. To find out more about us, follow us on social media at C-O-G. Special thanks to those who generously support this ministry. If you would like to give, visit us at startvillecog.com forward slash give. And if you've enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next week.